You're listening to a 3CR podcast created in the studios of independent community radio station 3CR in Melbourne, Australia. For more information, go to allthews.3cr.org.au. Woman on the Line acknowledges this program is produced and presented on the sovereign lands of the Wurundjeri people of the Kulin Nation. We acknowledge elders past, present and becoming, as well as the owners of the land you are hearing us from. Welcome to Woman on the Line one of Community Radio's National Women's Current Affairs programs produced at 3CR Community Radio in Melbourne and broadcast nationally on the Community Radio Network. I'm Ayan Shirwa. It's been almost a month since eligible Australians started receiving their coronavirus supplement. This extra 550 a fortnight payment was the government's financial response to the COVID-19 pandemic. While many of us rejoiced at finally being able to purchase basic essentials, Others, like those on the disability support pension, missed out. That's not all. Just when you thought living on $40 a day was over, Scott Morrison recently signalled that the payment will not be extended beyond September when it's due to end. This week on Woman on the Line, I'm joined by Kristen from the Australian Unemployed Workers Union to make sense of the coronavirus supplement and why our government insists on punishing the poor. Stick around because later in the show, we'll hear from one of the groups most at risk of poverty, single mothers. So Kristen, uh, let's start with you. Can you tell me a bit about yourself and the work that you do at the Australian Unemployed Workers Union? Yeah, I'm a disability support pensioner. I am autistic and I'm running the Raise the DSP campaign for the Australian Unemployed Workers Union. And I'm also um, working on the campaign to abolish mutual obligations and keep um, the rate of new start with the COVID supplement. Mm. Obviously, we can't talk about the history of income support, so we'll just focus on new start allowance. Um, can you tell us a condensed history of how we got here when it comes to new start allowance? Yeah, new start um, started in 1990. Uh, the last real rate increase was in 1994. Um, so, John Howard uh, basically froze the rate by attaching it to um, inflation and uh, basically since then nothing has improved. Nothing improved under the Labor government um, that started in 2007 and in 2010, Ken Henry delivered a report to the Labor government saying that it needed to be increased and still, uh, 10 years later, nothing has changed and we've just had the latest inquiry into New Start um, published in April, also saying it needs to be raised and they're now talking about doubling it to be above the poverty line. There's been calls from all sorts of groups. So you've got business groups, you've got activists, academics, everyone's been calling for a raise to New Start allowance. Why do you think government is still reluctant? Um, I think that it's easy for the government to ignore unemployed people there's not a lot of sympathy um, in the wider community because there's a belief that if you don't have waged work, it's because you're somehow deficient or you're not trying or, you you know, there's the myth of the dole bludger. Um, so I think it's, yeah, the other factor, of course, is that, again, neither Labor nor the Coalition are arguing to increase the payment. And so it's not something that gets any kind of political discussion in the, in the public sphere. And recently, the government introduced the coronavirus supplement. 
um, which was an additional 550 for certain income recipients. So not all of them received it. Um, DSP was one of the recipients who missed out. Can you tell us the work that your organisation is doing to change that? Yeah, so um, we're trying to put pressure on the government to extend it. It's really important for people to know that um, the minister was granted extraordinary powers under the COVID legislation. That means she can change this overnight. No new legislation needs to go through Parliament for Anne Ruston to um, grant this uh, supplement to disabled people and to carers. Um, so we're arguing against this, you know, being people being excluded because it's discriminatory. Um, the government's own committee found that it's a breach of human rights to exclude disabled people from this payment. Um, and it costs more to be disabled. People have increased medical costs. Many people have not been able to leave the house because of their health conditions. They've been at higher risk um, for contracting COVID or for being severely affected if they do contract it. And um, many people who are disabled have also lost work because disabled people are workers too and so are carers. And your organisation is currently running um, a campaign to end mutual job obligations. Um, Let's start from the beginning. What is mutual job obligations and why um, are you calling for its removal? Yeah, um, mutual obligations are the requirements the government puts on the people to be able to receive their new start payment. Um, We are campaigning to end them because they don't work and they punish people. They treat people as if, as I said before, it's their own fault for not being able to have waged work. Um, It includes things like work for the doll, which, um, you know, Jeremy Poxton, um, one of our spokespeople for the AUWU, has been forced to work for 40 cents an hour on the work for the doll program. Um, Obviously, he's not alone. That's really widespread. Um, Other things include coercing people into taking expensive training programs that don't get them work but do give them large debts and further entrenching them in poverty. Um, There's a really intense amount of job applications required per fortnight. So you might need... People do need to complete 20 job applications, um, sorry, per month. And uh, they just aren't the jobs out there. So all of this is designed, I think, to wear people down and to make them feel inadequate and to have no confidence and undeserving of, um, you know, being able to live not in poverty and um, to be entitled to a good job. If we could just go um, a bit back. Um, so ministers, um, both former and current ministers have made like outrageous comments about people who are on welfare benefits. Do you think government is out of touch? Absolutely. I would be surprised if there's anyone in government at the moment who has had to try and survive on Newstart in its current form where it is at half the poverty line and um, the punishments you know, meted out under mutual obligations were so extreme. Um, Most people in government would not even have anyone in their family living on New Start because they earn enough money that they can support members of their family. Um, I just think that they have such a disconnect from the wider population that they can't imagine. And, you know, we've seen this with the questions around, could you live on $40 a day? And either they refuse to answer it or they can't even conceive what that means. 
So they think $40 a day might mean $40 a day spending money, when of course $40 a day doesn't even come close to covering rent, um, bills and food, particularly if you live in a city where it's just not plausible anymore to get rent that is affordable um, and that comes even close to the very meagre um, rental um, payment that you can also receive. And these statements are across party lines, so it's not just Liberal or Labor, right? That's correct. Um, We have a good example from last week where there was a motion in the Senate to um, call for the DSP to have the COVID supplement and the carers payment to receive that extra 550 a fortnight and both the Coalition and the Labor Party declined to support that motion. So um, there's bipartisan support um, on the major parties for discriminating against disabled people at this point in time. And um, as I said, neither of them have taken any action to increase support to unemployed people since 1994. Mm. And, and recently, because of COVID-19, the government um, introduced the coronavirus supplement. Um, I've been able to purchase a few things that I couldn't before, and I'm sure there are others in um, similar situations. Uh, from the position of AUW, um, is it enough or does more need to be done? Yeah, so I think um, at the moment we're calling to retain um, the $550 supplement because it just meets, just gets us over the poverty line, which I think, um, you know, is the bare minimum we should be asking for. Uh, many people, including uh, unionists, have said, or other unionists, have said that the $1,500 a fortnight JobKeeper payment is not um, possible for them to live on, and that is still nearly $400 more than JobSeeker after the supplement. So, um, you know, at a bare minimum, we need to keep the supplement, mm. um, and we need to keep it for the exact reason you said. The types of things that people are using that supplement for include fixing their car so they can actually try to access employment more easily, Um, getting basics like pillows and pyjamas. People are particularly grateful they've had it in time for winter. Um, Paying bills off that have been accruing over time because they weren't able to afford it. And the most um, common one we hear is people able to buy fresh food and medication that they've previously deprived themselves of. So it's really common for us to hear stories normally without this supplement of people maybe going for one meal a day um, because that's all they can afford. Kristen, how can people reach your organisation? So we're online at auwu.org. We have a phone number uh, on there for our helpline. So it's a free advocacy service. Any person who is confused about how to access income support, struggling to deal with Centrelink, not sure of their rights, can call us on one eight hundred A U W U for U, and that is a free service. As I said, um, we've also got our Facebook page where you can send a message, and you'll also be able to get free advice from our team there. And we're on Twitter at Oz Unemployment. Excellent. Any final thoughts, comments, Kristen? Um, yeah, just uh, to highlight that people are disproportionately affected by this system. 
um, older people, younger people, women and disabled people all have it worse off. That seems like a lot of people and it's true. Um, but yeah, the more uh, disadvantaged you are, the harder it is to survive on this system and the harder it is to get back into the workforce. Thank you so much. Thank you very much, Aya. We hope you enjoyed that interview with Kristen O'Connell from the Australian Unemployed Workers Union. Don't forget, you can also stay in contact with the union via the Twitter handle Oz Unemployment and on Facebook at Unemployed Workers Union. We'll be back after these important community announcements. You're listening to 3CR. We really are in unprecedented times and 3CR, as your local community broadcaster, is trying to do our part to minimise the spread of the coronavirus throughout the community. At the front of our minds is protecting the most marginalised and vulnerable, but we are still here. And we'll continue broadcasting 24 hours a day with radical alternative content throughout this period, but things will sound a bit different. Some programmers will present their shows on the phone and we'll be finding creative ways to bring you our regular programming. So stay tuned, stay safe and be kind to each other. On community stations right across Australia, you're listening to Woman on the Line. On this week's program, we've been looking at the COVID-19 supplement. As we mentioned earlier, people on income security payments are struggling to make ends meet. And even with the introduction of the COVID-19 supplement, more needs to be done to prevent families living below the poverty line. One group doing it hard even before the pandemic are single parents especially single mothers. Claudia Craig from 3CR's Monday Breakfast Show recently spoke to Jenny Davidson, Chief Executive Officer at the Council of Single Mothers and Their Children. In this interview, they discussed the stigma attached to being a single parent, juggling parental responsibilities with work, and much, much more. We're only playing a short clip, but you can listen to the entire interview by searching Monday Breakfast on the 3CR website, www. 3cr.org.au. Now, you surveyed over a thousand members of your organisation recently. What were some of the findings of the survey? Look, the survey was very interesting. It was over a thousand single mothers across the country, actually. Um, So, broader than our membership base, although we now have 4,000 members. What was interesting to see, uh, so single mothers, the typical single mother is a little bit older than, than, you know, the cliche. It's certainly not a young. Um, unwed teen mother anymore. It's more typical is that it's a woman in their 40s with one or two children. Um, The levels of education is quite diverse, um, as is the levels of of employment. Uh, 65% of our survey respondents were in paid employment, so that ranges from casual through to full-time. And yet 53% of the 1,100 survey respondents had an annual income of less than $40,000. Uh, 44% had no savings whatsoever. So the financial hardship is quite clear. And that that is irregardless, not only of whether they're working or not, there's a lot of women who are working part-time, juggling parenting responsibilities who are still in real financial dire straits. Um, but it's also regardless of whether they, of whatever level of education they have, because there's a lot of women who have a level of education that with their parenting responsibilities, they can't translate into the, the paid work that would really change their financial position. Can you just explore that a little bit further um, and explain why is it having that effect? 
well, look, you know, with the responsibilities of looking after your child and also the choices that women may want to make about not having their children, you know, in school and then after school care, you know, for eight or 10 hours a day once you commute to a full-time job. So as soon as you take a part-time job because you have more carriage of the unpaid caring responsibility for those children, then obviously your, learn, your earning capacity goes down and often so does the job security. So there are plenty of single mothers that have a number of um, tertiary qualifications that are working from contract to contract, for example, that have no security. So if a contract ends, then they dip into their savings and pretty quickly they have no savings. Or um, they may be, um, we found, so there is a lot of work that's been done by other um, financial institutions around recovery from divorce. And often when a couple um, split up and they, they sell the house in order to split the asset, they, we've, the studies found that men get back into the housing market at much higher rates than women do because women have more carriage of unpaid caring work and it constrains their earning capacity. So in our survey, what was a real standout to me was that 90% of survey respondents were concerned about their long-term financial well-being. So even if things were okay now, these women are looking down the track and they're saying, I don't know my home, my super is low, I don't have significant savings, what's going to happen to me in older age? I expect that the COVID-19 crisis has been of particular concern to a lot of these women. That's right. There's a lot of single mothers that work casually in order to fit with their family responsibilities. And um, a lot of those industries shut pretty quickly once lockdown went down. I mean, anyone working in hospitality, all sorts of industries, um, their jobs disappeared. And then uh, for more professional women, it might have been a bit slower, um, but essentially they often have lost security or um, reduced hours, or they may have been made redundant. But then there are all the um, there are all of the parents out there who who are working from home while homeschooling, and that's a tough juggle for any parent. But as soon as there is no second parent to share some of that responsibility with, it it is relentless um, and it's very difficult. I mean, the reality is that um, if you have a primary school aged child um, and they they need you to sit by them to do schoolwork, then you can't work. It's an either or. Um, you can do a little bit of they're, they're in school and you're working, but the, the quality of their schooling and your work um, goes down pretty quickly. And we saw, so we actually have had a drop in calls to our phone line because I guess if you're at home with a couple of kids now, it's really hard to make a phone call. So less calls, um, but more complex calls. But we had an, a huge amount of increase in traffic to our website um, where we had a special coronavirus page where we do have for um, single mother issues. And through our Facebook page um, because people are really concerned about how the stay-at-home directives affect them. And, of course, there's also a lot of low-income single mothers that are on the wrong side of the digital divide. They may have – they don't have the devices or they don't have the internet um, connectivity at home. Some of them also don't feel confident dealing um, with the technology and those children are really disadvantaged and we are concerned that that disadvantage, that the, the lag in their education could have a long-term consequence for some of those families. What actions are you taking uh, at the moment to try and get assistance for those families? Uh, we've been doing advocacy at a state and federal level along with all sorts of people across the sector. We were very pleased to see um, the increase in the benefits, um, parenting payment single and parenting payment couple um, were increased at the same rate as Newstart, which is, of course, now called JobSeeker. So those benefits went up. Um, families also got the coronavirus supplement, the 750 one-off payment. 
So there's been a bit of easing in the dire financial straits for single mother families who rely on benefits. But at the same time, you know, I mean, it's really tough parenting in isolation with children and, and single mothers struggle with social isolation as it is. And all of those factors and, you know, the, the, the breach with all of your systems of support, whether they're friends or neighbours or your extended family, that drop-off has been really, really tough on parents and kids. And then you have the behavioural repercussions with the children, which I think a lot of parents are seeing. So there's lots of ways in which um, some of the experiences that we're all seeing out there as part of the, this pandemic is exacerbated for single mother families, particularly when they're financially constrained. And it's also much more of a pressure cooker situation when everyone's up in at home. It's really tough. <laughs> it's really tough. Some of the other issues that are really um, have been of concern in COVID is for families who have shared care for whom there might be a history of family violence. Um, so we know that these sort of situations, like a pandemic exacerbates family violence. It's really bad news for women that are, are living with with a, um, a violent or threatening partner, but also for women who have shared care. They're, all of their processes of handover and keeping safe might have all kind of collapsed for instance if you always did a handover at a play center and it's no longer shut um you know and there's just there's more there's more pressures on on those relationships and it has um put some women at risk and some children at risk as well that's uh, very disturbing to hear i noticed in your survey that there were quite a theme of additional um stresses that was was coming out um whether it be families that are caught up in the family law system family violence uh, and an extraordinary number of participants with a disability, whether that be the, the parent carer themselves or the, the child they're caring for. Could you uh, that's talk correct. to that? Yes, and we see that among our, um, the women. So we have a telephone support line and email um, that single mothers can ring or, or workers can ring to get specific information for single mothers. And so, and we've had a lot, we get a lot of calls from women who either are carers or themselves have a disability. And of course, the carers and people on disability support pension have been left out of the boost to benefits that that other um, benefits the job keeper got and the parenting payment got. So they've been left behind. Um, they may have had so carers, for example, may have had casual work that was helping them survive. That's dropped off. The benefits haven't been increased. These these families are really in dire straits and we are very concerned about their well-being. That sounds like an emergency situation. Yes, it is. And so we do, and we are advocating um, at the state and federal level to have more benefits rolled out to these families. The, um, you know, the, the non-profit sector is actually working really hard uh, to try to ensure that the government is able to see some of these hidden pockets that they've somehow managed to skim over in their, as you know, as they sort of, I mean, there's quite a lot of money now by the various, the job keeper, the job seeker and so forth, but it not, it's not reaching everybody. And so we're really trying to make sure that, that the profile of some of those groups is, is raised with key decision makers. And, but also, of course, people were very concerned about those huge fines and penalties that were being threatened that could just, I mean, obliterate the financial situation of a, of a, of a family with a restricted income. If they get a $1,600 fine or a $1,000 fine, for, for when, you know, so people were very concerned and stressed about that aspect of the, you know, the pandemic as it rolled out. So the mental health effects would be um, quite significant. Absolutely, yeah. 
I think we're seeing a lot of, there's a lot of stress um, and anyone with mental health issues, this is not an ideal situation. Would it be exacerbated by being so isolated? What are the messages that you're hoping to share to help alleviate some of that stress? What we always talk about with single mothers, um, and this is why we encourage single mothers to join and membership's free for single mothers, that it's easier that you're not alone. And that it's easier to do this on your own when you feel connected in with other people who are innocent. Once again, we'd like to thank Claudia Craig for giving us permission to use that interview. For more information about the Council of Single Mothers and Their Children, go to www.csmc.org.au. You can also give them a ring on 039654-0622. That's 039654-0622. Today's show hits close to home. As a job seeker myself, the extra 550 was a welcome relief. So what did I do with that money? I bought a bed, enrolled in a business course, and now I can finally, finally save up for a laptop. But I'm not the only one. My name is Steph. I'm 33 and I'm a full-time student on Ausstudy. I went back to uni this year to uh, study my postgraduate degree. Um, And that was after uh, almost 10 years of working full time. Uh, I finally made the decision um, to not worry so much about money. Well, to worry more, but not be so concerned with um, the amount of money I was getting. Um, I've been working part time in retail while I was studying, um, but I did get stood down uh, at the end of March. Also through through uh, having to go through the process of starting to claim again because I hadn't um, used, like I, I did go on JobSeeker a really long time ago, but I hadn't used a government service for quite a long time in that sense. Uh, and the whole process of trying to claim or study was really difficult. Um, I originally made my claim before uni started, which was um, I, made, I submitted my claim at the end of February. I was originally told that I would hear back um, about halfway through April, so it was already a month and a half. Eventually, uh, in May, I was approved. However, I needed to complete some tasks before I would actually receive any benefits, um, which was quite confusing because what they were asking me to complete were documents that I had already submitted with my initial application. Um, And eventually I did get it sorted out, but I do, it did give me a really... um, sad insight to what it must be like for a lot of people especially people who don't have reliable access to you know phones and mobiles and internet technology i have found the 550 dollars stimulus payment really helpful um but again without that it would be living like after i pay rent it would be living below the poverty line so it's helpful but it's not um you know, it's, it, it's helpful to cover basic necessities. And that's all for Woman on the Line today. Woman on the Line is a community radio national women's current affairs program. It's produced and presented by a range of women broadcasters from 3CR in Melbourne and broadcast across Australia on the community radio network. We greatly appreciate financial support from the Community Broadcasting Foundation. We welcome your comments or thoughts on today's show. So send us an email to womanontheline at gmail.com or give 3CR a ring on 039419 Woman on the Line programs can be downloaded from our website 
3cr.org.au slash woman on the line. Our new theme music is by Ripley Gabara and the music during Steph's segment is from Purple Planet. Thanks for tuning in. I'm Ayan Shirwa. You've been listening to a 3CR podcast produced in the studios of independent community radio station 3CR in Melbourne, Australia. For more information, go to allthews.3cr.org.au.